recognize real. As we always start with our show, the revert by the name of Allah, the Most High, the one and only worthy of being worshipped. We praise Him, we thank Him, because all praise is due to Allah. He blessed us with so many things, so many things. This is another episode of the Reaver original episodes where we interview young, beautiful brothers and we talk to them and they tell us their story of being a Muslim, the point of Reaver, how life is before Islam, how life is after Islam, and how life is in general. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Abdullah and I am fortunate enough to be able to present to you a brother that I've known for a little while now. Um, known him uh, at work, known him at the masjid, known him as a friend, alhamdulillah, for a little while now. And uh, now after trying to con convince him so many times to try to share the story with the world, Alhamdulillah, he finally said, yes, let's do this. Brother Hassan, Tim, both names, whatever he likes to go by, we call him. And uh, I'll let him introduce himself furthermore. How you doing, brothers and sisters? My name is Hassan Abdul Malik. My government name is Timothy Grosh. Uh, I'm having the pleasure to know my brother right here, who kind of took me under the wing when I came up here to Dearborn, Detroit, where I felt that I had to come and do a, like a pilgrimage too, because you know, it's hard of Islam right here. You know, I found, you know, Islam in prison. And I'm going to tell you something. It was the start of religion in my life, period. I, uh, I grew up in a family in Texas and it was a bad family, and it wasn't a bad one by choice. It was a bad one by circumstances, and you know, being from Texas in the Bible Belt, it's all about Jesus this and God this, and we say this and we say that, but as a young kid, growing up, <clears throat> not seeing the fruition of what they're saying, being put into action, had me doubting the whole thing of God. I thought it was just for show. I come from a German-Irish family, which is very deeply rooted in Christianity, Polynesian Christianity. And I was forced to act a certain way and do certain things. And my trouble started when I was just two years old. My mother was uh, traumatized as a kid abused in certain ways, you can use your imagination, and my mother delved into drugs, and uh, my father was a young man, you know, 19 years old, uh, was in love, like every man is at that age, and found the woman of his dreams, and <clears throat> did everything she wanted, 
my mother took advantage of that and my mother got into the being comfortable and uh, was jealous of me having a good life because she didn't have one. So she started abusing me and things got bad between her and my dad and one thing led to another. I lived with her dad and he molested me, beat me. Um, so I turned three years old and my father somehow got custody of me and my mom and, uh, and dad got divorced. They were separated and they got divorced and my mother cleaned him out and he was sleeping in his car and he couldn't afford to take care of me. So he was working. So he sent me to live with his, his parents on the little dock. And my grandparents were wonderful people. True Christians. I, and, I, and I say true by they practice what they preach and they don't preach much. They, 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 they do it by action. And I started seeing things and my grandmother noticed it. And my grandmother was like, little Timothy Clinton Jr. <laughs> Come here, I want you to tell me about it. And I'm just so eager to say, you know, I'm eager to talk as your brother will tell you. I, I love to talk. But I talk like I, I do now. And one day I said something and it kind of kind of triggered something in her. And she grabbed the recorder, a little flat one that has a little red recorded button. You put the 90 minute tape in or whatever, however long. And I started talking about angels. I'm three years old. We didn't discuss these things in the house. It was just something that is there and it is. I started talking about seeing light, trans I could see through them beings. And my grandmother, very devout and pious, recorded it and encouraged me and you know, you know how you can lead a child on into it, you know, Come on, keeps talking about it, keep talking about it. And I used to have the biggest smiles on my face. But one time, an angel was there, and my grandfather had been out hunting somewhere in East Texas or something. And this angel told me to tell her, tell her. And I told her what my maternal grandfather did to me. And then it opened up. Two shoeboxes full over the course of two years, 90 minute tape of things that him and my mother and my mother's boyfriend did to me. So when my father finally got word of it, he, they took me to a uh, mental health uh, place in Dallas and a doctor was made after a couple months of interviewing me why I wasn't a vegetable in a hospital and my grandmother would say because he, he's blessed. Well. Let's fast forward. So it created trouble in my family. I'm watching my father say, oh, power of Jesus and all this. But he's arguing with his wife. They're fighting. He's drinking. You know, it's just total strife and dissension in the house. So I'm like, I don't believe in any of this. And I never really did believe Jesus is God. Something never convinced me. So I started misbehaving because everybody else is. And... I had trouble in school. I got thrown out of schools. Um, I got peer, I had no peer relationships at all. I had no friends. So the only attention I got was when I got into trouble. And so I did it 
because it was fun. It was something to do because I wanted attention from my dad. You know, my mother disappeared. Um, I was told she got killed. I was told she had cancer. I told she ran away. I don't know. I don't care. Um, I never had mom. I never had mom to cry to. I never had. Um, I never had that maternal. Excuse me. I never had that maternal tenderness, and uh, that's fine. Um, but my father, he couldn't do it either. You know, he could barely do the paternal thing. He didn't even want to see me. So uh, I started reading. I got into reading, and because I was grounded all the time, I, I didn't have any social life. I was a loser. I was poor. I grew up very, very poor. You know, I watched my friends get get this stuff, and I didn't have anything. That's fine. You know, other people later on you realize it's not it, it doesn't mean anything. But when you're in a city where most people have money and you have nothing, it's, it's embarrassing when they pick on you. So I stopped going to school. I get grounded. And I remember in, in 1991. <laughs> Uh, a family member came over with a 1972 Encyclopedia Britannica set, and I read it from A to Z Z Y Z X six times in the course of two summers. And I found out I was like wicked smart. So I started doing these testings and stuff to see stress my brain out, and uh, found out I was really smart, but I was also really conniving, and I used that to my advantage. And so. I started manipulating people like, you know, this is what I'm going to do here to get what I want. You know, it wasn't out of, it wasn't to harm anyone. It was just to, you know, because they didn't care about me. Why should I care about them? I need that. They got that. How am I going to get this? And it started my hustling days. And uh, high school comes about. What happens in high school? Hormones start kicking in. You know, oh my God. Women were the, oh, they're the most best thing ever because I didn't have a mom. And I'm going to cherish everyone I ever came in my life. And, you know, I was the guy that all the women liked. They talked about, you can't tell by now. I'm beating down my life now. But <laughs> but I was a good looking guy and um, I knew it. And I was 16 years old. I was playing baseball. It was really good. And that's when people started to like me. And uh, I, I play baseball, and this one girl goes, I got a new new Mustang, you know, 1997 Mustang. And I was like, right on. She's like, you want to go smoke this blunt and, you know, mess around? I'm like, of course, who doesn't, you know? And we, we went on the blunt ride, and I didn't get to mess around. And a couple of days later, it was <laughs> the univer uh, University Interscholastic League in Texas was the ruling uh, figure for high school athletics in the state of Texas decided they want to do a pop urinalysis and guess what the one thing I was good at besides hustling just went out the door because I wanted to be cool and smoke weed and a month later I ran away to the state of California so I get San Diego, and I'm a kid. I remember I had nothing. I see this woman 
on a dock. Prettiest woman I ever seen in my life. And I seen a, crit, a, a critter I ain't never seen. You know, I ain't never seen the ocean. I'm landlocked, Texas. I said, what's that? And she went, well, that's an otter. I said, that's what I thought it was. You know, she goes, where are you from? I'm from Texas. You know, I talk like this. I said, you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, and she was 16 years older than me. And she said, I'm from Connecticut. All right. That's cool. You know, uh. What, what do you want to do? You know, uh, I ain't got nowhere to go. And what's up? She's like, you know, we can get together and all this. And long story short, that was the beginning of my troubles with women. Because I was with her. I had three kids with her. Didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it was all about sex and money. And what do we do with these things we created? These kids. You know, oh, we got to take care of them. Oh, okay, well, how do I do that? You know, I pretty much raised myself. God was never there. Remember that. It was in the background. I caught my first case, 1999. And uh, I got sentenced to probation. Two years, two years later, did my first prison sentence. Two years. Because I got tired of walking in on my old lady, my, the mother of my children, with the seventh, eighth, ninth guy. <laughs> I didn't learn, you know. I, I, I didn't want to give up on her, cause like my father gave up on my mom. I, I wasn't going to do that. I didn't want to do that for the kids. But it was a loss upon us, a lot of will for me to go through this, because I'm stubborn, you know. And I need to learn that just because that seems like it's the best situation for you, this, you got to get out of that to get your life together. And I was stuck. And she used it. And she used it to get back at me. The mother of my children used it to get back at me for all the pain she had going on in her life. So I get out of prison and I run to California. And, you know, I got into the marijuana business. And this is when life really took off. I met an old man, and he goes, son, you're holding a sign with scissors on it. You want to you trim? You want to trim marijuana, right? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Come on, get in the truck. He goes, you hungry? I'm like, yeah. So he buys me this hamburger meal and all this cigarettes. You smoke weed? I'm like, yeah, I smoke weed. He goes, you got me? I'm like, yeah, I got some weed. I have a little bit of bud, you know, whatever. Not glorifying it. He goes, that ain't weed. He throws it out. He goes, reach under the seat. I pull out this mason jar. Look like little Christmas trees. I said, this ain't weed, man. What is it? He goes, that's marijuana. At this time, marijuana was highly illegal. Um, so he goes, all right, I'm going to call. On, I'm going to call my wife and see if you can come to the house. I went, all right. She said it was all right. She goes, he is not coming in the house. And he's all right. He's all right. He's not coming in the house. Okay, all right. So they put a tent outside. I go to sleep, I wake up, I didn't realize where I was at. It was this big, huge house in the middle of a forest in Northern California. I thought California was all palm trees and beaches and oh. So I'm going around being nosy, you know, I didn't hear anybody up, so I go around the fence and just as I'm about to open the fence, he comes in, he goes, So, you wanna know what I do, huh? Yes. Yeah. So he takes me around back 
and I seen a bunch of mushroom-looking bushes, huge. I said, oh, my goodness. He goes, I'm a medical marijuana cultivator. I do this for the government. I'm a multimillionaire. So, yeah, and how do I get this? He goes, well, you're going to come over here and you're going to trim. Oh, okay, cool. So where's the scissors? He's like, no. Pulls out a 36-inch Husqvarna chainsaw. He goes, get up there and, and trim that tree. That's what you want to do. I did it. Two hours later, I came down from that tree. The point was, he wanted to see what I could do and how how, how my will was. How, was I driven enough to, to do what it takes to get what I want? Okay. So let me interrupt for a little bit. And Brother Tim been going on for, mashallah, what, 15 minutes almost? Oh, damn. Non-stop. Amazing story so far. Beautiful. So he started off... So he started off with a little bit of God in your life. You felt God. Your grandmother was religious somehow. You saw that your your family were um, calling to a religion, but they weren't really practicing. My grandmother and my grandparents were. My father wasn't. Your father wasn't practicing. Yeah, he was saying, but your 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 grandparents were practicing. Oh yeah, very pious. And then you had what you really wanted, which is baseball. I found that later on. Yeah. This was the thing that you really wanted to get to, but something happened that got you away from that. And then you run over to California to find something new. Hopefully, better life, better situation. But you find that girl in, uh, um, in Cali who is originally from Connecticut, right? Right. What happened there? Did you stay in Cali or did you go over to Connecticut? Was we there went any? To, we went to Connecticut and I lived there for a while and I, we had a whole bunch of domestic. People. So from west to east, huh? Brother, I've been all over. Man. But it was a couple years in Connecticut. Kept getting cases of domestic possession of this. So just then, a lot of trouble. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of strife. Uh, self-induced trouble, man. It was nobody fault but mine. I allowed it to happen. And so, I uh, of it, you know? so, uh, but it must be trials that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is putting you through to to be experienced. It's all about experience in this life. Allah puts us into so many trials, so we can learn things. You must have learned a lot of things. You can write a book out of these things that you learned in life. Yeah. And now you're back into Cali. With this new experience of yours. Now I'm back in Cali alone. Alone. With, with kids on a different coast, you know, and, and a woman that hates me. Because, wow. Because I wasn't man enough to to do the right thing at that time. It was all about me, you know. And that's all right. Um, so I met this man. I started doing the weed thing, and I started growing. I started learning how to grow. So he taught you how to do the actual business. Taught me how to actually do the ins and outs of it. So by the third year that I'm doing this, I'm eating Thanksgiving dinner with him and his family. And he says, hey, Frog, here you go. Because my last name in German means Frog. So here, man, he hands me this brochure. I'm like, what's this? He goes, well, first you're going to get your uh, GED. And then you're going to go to college because you're, you're hella smart. And you're wasting your life. Wow. Oh. He saw something good in you, huh? Yeah, he saw something good in me, and like a son. And I never, this, I never took advantage of him. Not mm -hmm. once I take advantage of him. And uh -huh. I went and I studied organic chemistry, which is the the study of everything carbon based. And I studied horticulture, which is 
uh, how to take care of plants and everything in the plant kingdom, and then botany, how to, how to the ins and outs of it. So, so you you considered a scientist? Pretty much. For real? Wow! Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, but it was all for weed. Uh huh. It was all because I was I was in love with marijuana. Marijuana was. But this could be used with any plant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, anything that grows, anything, and I found out that I was good at growing lemon cucumbers. And in the plant world, if you can grow a lemon cucumber, it's one of the hardest things to grow. You can grow anything, mm-hmm. and I could, I found I could give life to something that I could give something positive to that didn't have any positivity in. So hang on, and that's okay. And I loved that, and I fell in love with the nurturing of a, of a creation from a law. And I went out on my own. I started. I had a pocket full of money. You know what I mean? Doing what I wanted to do. He hooked me up. So Allah was giving you everything you wanted. He was giving me. He was giving me. He was allowing. Let me say that. He was allowing me to experience something. Okay, let me go with a leash. Okay. Uh And And that was, I'm sorry, that was before that, you you didn't have that. I had nothing wrong. You didn't have anything. Nothing. So having a pocket full of money was something new to you. Being able to buy whatever you want, yeah. something new to you. Yeah. And, and what age was that? Twenty-three. At twenty-three. Yeah, about that age. So you were you ready to buy everything that you can lay your eyes on, huh? No, I was I was wanting to impress people uh-huh. to be like, see, I, I got this because I'm this and that, and it was not so much a facade. It was a now you can't make fun of me anymore because I have this and you don't, and right. this is because I'm the man and. Whatever, you're young, you're dumb, you know. You, you, it's a covering my wounds type thing. You know? Right. So I'm walking around with a pocket full of money hitchhiking because that was the thing to do. And I'm in Wyoming and I'm, I see this woman dancing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Allah, she's the prettiest woman I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. And I had to stop and talk to her. I said, hi, how are you doing? Long story short, she's from Texas, had had traumatic experience we hit it off i said well why don't you come to california with me i need help with these plants you know wow. i'm about to start having my own property and doing this and you know doing my own thing now and she did and she had been severely beaten by the mother the father of her kids and had head trauma where she was in a coma and she didn't remember anything that happened and uh she had some issues now we went to her her family in austin I met them, had a good good rapport with them, did this and that, and one day we got into an argument, and um, I don't remember what it was, but I think we were camping, I think it was cigarettes, I didn't have any cigarettes or something, and uh, excuse me, it's very hard for me, man, um, she, uh, she, yeah, no, she's, Sorry. I'm good, I'm good, she, uh, she's come back from, you know, going Foraging in the forest, you know, looking for critters or shiny rock or panning for gold, because that's what you can do out there. God's personal campground. Right. Um, and she comes back with a blue nylon rope. This is June 9th, 2012. And uh, <clears throat> she goes, you know, I'm mad at you. I said, I don't care. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I'm making chicken fajitas on my campfire grill. I don't want to talk. I don't have any cigarettes. I don't care, you know. And she goes, "That's the problem. You don't care about me." I said, "Listen, I love you, but you're you're getting on my nerves right now. Leave me alone." 
She goes, I'm just going to go kill myself. I said, why don't you just go do it? Just like that. You didn't think of it anyway, because I never thought they, before I speak. You didn't, you didn't think she was going to actually do anything? No. It's just something that people say. I didn't know the power of my words over people in my life at that time. Uh-huh. I didn't know that I had an influence over them because I was nobody. Mm-hmm. Who's going to listen to me? Nobody paid attention to me. She did. And people that were camping across from me were like, look, man, she's been gone 20 minutes. Oh, you're right. She should be. She come back every 15 minutes. Yeah, why don't you go that way and I go this way? Man, don't tell me what to do, man. That's my life. I'm good. I go this way. They go that way. Supposedly, I don't remember. I scream. And uh, I saw her hanging from a rope swing where people would jump into the river. And this is the first time I've seen somebody that I love dead. Mind you, I've never been to a funeral for a family member or a friend. Um, but it was, uh, <laughs> I stripped to my pants and I ran and I stopped the lady. So this is what they told me afterwards. I stopped the lady driving to the campground. I said, my wife killed herself. Please call the police. I grew up in the city of Dallas. I hate cops. You know? uh, I remember coming through with nine different I remember nine different cops putting their hands on me. I come through and it was like <clears throat> it was a weird feeling. Like it was a surge and what I forgot to tell you was that she was a good Christian. She believed in God, and I allowed her to, because it was obvious. You know, deer would eat graham crackers out of her hands. Little kids would, would leave their parents and, and run to her. and It was amazing. And, God, <clears throat> give me a strength. Take a minute. Take no, a no, I'm sorry. I got to get this through, or I'm not going to stop. Um... <clears throat> she died, and she was the best person I ever knew. And I told her to kill herself. <sighs> so they take her body, and they could tell where I had tried. I guess supposedly I tried to lift her, and it had already coagulated. And let me tell you something. I do remember that. I remember the blood out of the nose, the mouth, the ears. She excreted on herself. And I saw my best friend hanging, and she was so smart. She was such a smart woman. She did it on a rock that had moss. That's why I couldn't get her up. I was slipping. Um. So, and and, uh, my best friend did. He was the only one that really cared besides, you know, a family member. And uh, June 9, 2012 was the day. That seed she planted started growing. It's <laughs> alright, bro. Take, take a minute. Take a minute. And uh, uh, I, uh, I, I had a, I had a mother type figure that was a friend of the family for years. 
she moved to Missouri, and she was my rock because I didn't have a mom. She, she took over the rock thing, figure role for me, and I called her. I said, "Look, it won't even let me claim her body because I wasn't technically married. We were gonna get married like the next week." I had a pocket full of money. The freaking newspaper said we were vagrants. That was adding insult to injury because we were camping. I had more money in my pocket than they had in a whole month. And, okay, whatever. So I said, I'm going to come. I'm going to have to crying for a week because they shipped her body and I couldn't claim her anything. I said, I'm going to hitchhike. So I hitchhiked to Missouri. And this is where it starts getting weird. I'm coming over the bridge from Kansas City, Kansas, over to train yard. I don't know if anyone knows that, but it's very famous. Kansas City was Stocktown back in the day, cattle. And over the bridge, there's this, this little bicycle, motorcycle club. There's a, an elderly African-American man sitting on the wall. And he goes, hey, you know, come here. You know, I got my pack on. I'm not looking sad. I'm, I'm cool now. I had been calmed down from crying, weeping and all that for, for a couple of weeks. I said, oh, I'm going to do 20 bucks pack cigarettes, whatever, I don't care. He goes, hey, man, you know, angels are here for a short amount of time. Lucky out what I say is the truth. I said, what? You talking about angels are here for a short amount of time. Did you learn anything? Well, Sir, my, my wife's name, my dead wife's name was Angela. What she look like? I said, she had strawberry blonde hair. She had a beauty mark here, bluish green eyes, scar on her chin, perfect teeth. Keep that in mind. So I said, man, you're freaking me out. He goes, man, listen, God works. I said, you know, you know God's really just taking everything my whole life. You know, yeah, okay, he really don't care about me. Now you're kind of at the moment where you're mad at God. I would never, I never liked God. Uh -huh. I was, uh, I, I, she's planted the seed, but it ain't had sprouted yet. You know oh, what I mean? yeah. But, so I said, all right, I got things I got to do. So I get to where my mother figure was living, and she goes, well, let's go to Austin, Texas, where they shipped it. Let's go. We'll drive around all the cemeteries. We'll find her body. Nobody would tell us where she was. Mm. So we drive to this, all the cemeteries in Austin and, and Leander. She was from Leander, which is north of North Austin. And we couldn't find her body anywhere. Or, or remains or nothing. Now, mind you, I went to the house and ate dinner with the family. I go to the house that I ate at six months before. An old Spanish lady answers. I said, ma'am, uh, I think you're in the wrong house. She goes, no, I've been living here for a year, senior. I said, listen, I got the memory of an elephant. You did not live here six months ago. It is getting weird. So I look in the house, and the house is totally different. I'm like, maybe I got it wrong. I'm looking around. No, I didn't get it wrong. I was okay. Something going on in my memory, my brain trying to but deal with trauma or something, uh, you uh -huh. know, whatever. So I said, well, I'll get on Facebook. Okay. That page not found. Well, I was friends with all of them. Well, maybe they unfriended me. Maybe they blamed me for it. Well, hey, check this out. Get on Facebook because we're not connected on Facebook. You're not connected to them. Page not found. I said, oh, okay. You know what? I'm going to call somebody who can find you under a rock in Alaska. I called this person. Said, let me call you back in about 10 minutes. I can't find no record of them. Okay, so I go to the house. There's no nobody there. Can't find a cemetery plot. Nobody cremated her. Nobody can find her on Facebook. I interacted with these people. 
I said, this is getting weird. She goes, what you want to do, baby boy? I said, I want to go to Dallas. We got to go 35 anyways. You got to get home to Missouri. Drop me off. So she did. I go to my grandmother's house. My grandmother goes, hey, little Timothy, how you doing? I said, how you doing, grandmother? I love you. You know, why are you so sad? I said, dad didn't tell you? No. I said, Angela killed herself. She goes, oh, bless your heart. I'm so sorry. You know, and I never got to see how pretty she was. And I said, well, you want to see what she looks like? And I pulled my cell phone out and she goes, I got my memory from my grandmother. She goes, I'm going to be right back. And she goes and she brings the boxes out and pulls out the last tape. Oh, the boxes that you recorded when you were younger? Yeah, when I was younger, when I was abused, being abused uh-huh. and describing what they were, what I was seeing and what I was going through. Right. And she goes, listen to this. And she puts the tape in. A lot of what I say is the truth. And she goes, listen to this. What do you see, little Timothy? It's my grandmother's voice in the tape. Uh-huh. I said, I see an angel. What's she look like? She's got strawberry blonde hair, blue oh. and green eyes, a mole and a scar here. And that's that's when I freaked. That's when oh. I said, with what the black man said and that, and the way she You mentioned her when you were younger, three years old. How did I know that? Wow. <laughs> that's when I said... Okay, and I'm not gonna lie, it freaked me out for a couple of years. I was. Is that tape still around? I'm pretty sure it is. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Wow. It's my grandparents are pack rats. It's pretty. I'm pretty sure it's around. This is um, crazy. Yeah. So when she died, she planted the seed of God. Here, this is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and His will of. Okay, we're gonna break this guy. You know, me not knowing it. Losing control of when I thought I had started gaining control. Oh, so you know everything. Well, here, you know, you want to make a law laugh? Not to personify a law, but tell them you know what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing. Okay, here you go. You get to see some of the unseen. And it's scary. It's yeah. scary because it means that your life is already ordained for you and you don't have anything to control except your behavior and your mouth. And your intentions. So, when I saw the behind-the-curtain type thing, I started to see things different. I started to say, well, what is driving this to do this? What's going on in the world? And my brain just went overload. I started thinking about everything, and I said, this happened, this happened, this happened. There's got to be a God. Allah Akbar. But I I don't think it's Jesus. I never did. I believed in Jesus. I come from the Bible Belt. I never thought he was God. I ended up getting into a very bad situation involving drugs and transporting and a friend of mine and a woman who decided to freak out under the influence and create hell for me and my mother type figure and my partner. And I got sentenced to this prison sentence that I just did that I'm actually on parole for right now. Um, but it, everything is the law's will, you know, and this woman was just someone that could keep me company because I was looking for Angela and every woman I, you know, excuse me, man whoring around with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get sentenced to... So before we go there, I'm sorry. 
what's the deal with Angela? What happened? Did you find out where she was buried? Never Did you found, find out what happened? Never found anything. No never signs. You, you nobody gave you nothing. Nothing, man. Nothing. She just poof gone. And gone. But with the way the the, the elderly African Americans, when you approached me with the, did you learn anything? And then the tape from my grandmother. I didn't need any more evidence. Wow. To me, that she was an angel. It's crazy. I, I believe she was an angel, and I believe that Allah sometimes, when He sees His creation overburdened, and He knows that okay, He's got it. He's got to have some reprieve on this. He does that. He 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 eases it a little bit because He knows us. And he knows that I'm very, I'm very passionate and I'm very steadfast in what I believe in. And anything that I, I, I know that is real, I hold on to it. And when I hold on to it, I don't let go until you disprove it. And I'm usually not wrong on it. Not sure. I, I know there's angels. I know there's a God. Oh, there's angels around us. You know. Everywhere. Anywhere. Okay, before we go any further, I know you have... A lot to share with us, more than what you already have shared, mashallah. Now, uh, I wanted to ask you about the time when you found out that you were a genius. How did that happen? I'm not, first of all, man's exaggerating. <laughs> I love it for the sake of Allah, but he's exaggerating a little bit. I'm not a genius, I'm just, I retain information more than most people. Retain information more than most people. So when I was a kid... So you had a good memory, I guess, mashallah. Yeah, a good memory. Um, my brain is wired differently than most people. I didn't touch on it because, you know, I was rambling earlier. But um, I had a lot of behavioral problems, obviously. And uh, see, when you, a child is young, they're very hyperactive. So you can't really diagnose a kid until they're about six, seven. Uh -huh. They thought that I was... At that time, they, they called it manic depressive bipolar because okay. a traumatic event is what triggers bipolarism. And uh, <clears throat> they couldn't find out what it was. They they said, you know, it's not bipolarism. He's not up and down. He sleeps well. He eats well. He's fine. Look, we can't figure it out. So my whole childhood, nobody knew what was wrong with me. Oh. I mean... I was in the second grade. I read second second year of college, second semester. I was blowing them away, you know. Wow! And I was an avid reader. I love this day. I love reading, but I had that street smart, and that's what I played on because that's what got you through life. That's what got you through the hood. It was it's common sense and logic, right. not book smart. Nobody want to hear that. You know what I mean? You get preyed upon if you're smart. But I had both. Uh, and so. When I met Angela, I, I was told by her, the only one I trusted in my life, babe, there's something wrong with you. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Defensive. Here it is. Oh, you're touching on something that hasn't sensitive. been sensitive. Yeah, but I loved her. So I, I listened to my woman. And she goes, you're not crazy, but there's something wrong with you. Okay, I'll go get some testing. I had the money. And they did a three-month test on me. And they said, Mr. Frosh, we want you to come back here and go two and a half miles, two, two and a half hours away and meet with these people. So for three months, I met with these people. And they called me out of the blue one day and said, we think we figured it out. So I go to Sacramento 
and they say, Mr. Frosh, you're autistic. Now, I have a fully autistic son. He's like, I don't know if you remember that movie Rain Man with Dustin yeah. Hoffman. Wicked smart, you know? He's like that. Um, but there's different levels uh, of autism spectrum disorder, and I'm on it. And my son is a savant. He's a genius. Sometimes. I'm not a genius. I'm just, my brain is wired differently. And I'm not mental, mentally ill. It's not a chemical imbalance, not a behavioral disorder. It means... They basically told me it's the next step in mankind using their brain in ways that Allah, subhanahu wa Allah, is allowing us in steps. My brain is wired differently. It doesn't, it's not a mental disorder. And I thought it was. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm crazy. Well, that explains the weirdness, you know? Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm a little weird and that's cool, but whatever. Um, We're all weird in our own way, huh? Allah, subhanahu wa Allah, and his will makes us the way he wants us. Yes, sir. And we, we accept it or not. But I found out... Um, intelligent okay so she pointed it out she planted the seed of God in me all this happened she leaves me okay so she stirred my heart around mm-hmm. made me believe after all these years that I'm worth something after not ever feeling worth anything because it's constant sovereign in my life and I believed her and then she left me with questions how do I live now so before I caught my, before I committed my crime, I should say, uh-huh. I, I went to a uh, Native American shaman. Mind you, I wasn't Muslim at this time. I had a friend who was, you know, Native American. He said, "You're gonna come meet my my uncle and whatever." It's okay. So he he puts me in this sweat lodge, no drugs or none of that, um, and he says, "I know what your problem is. When you were a child, and he didn't know anything about my past, he goes, when you were a child." Your body and your spirit separated. And then when it comes back together, you're not going to know who you are. That when that happens, God is going to come into your life. And you're going to see it. You're crazy. That's what you tell him, huh? Uh, what, what are you on, man? You know, okay. All right. But it made me think. He said God. Obviously, he believes in God. Okay. Whatever. Angela, God, these people, my grandparents, God, 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 but God takes everything away from me. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I get involved with a woman who's just horrible. She's Jezebel. You know, and I, I committed a crime of bringing drugs to another state, holding the rat hostage who was working with the police. Uh, being charged with a three-to-life crime, uh, armed criminal action, domestic assault, flown in restraint, which is kidnapping. The judge goes, 34 to life. You can, you're looking at maybe your record, you know, assaults and all this you got on your record. Oh, okay. Finally get bonded out after sitting 62 days. I take off. I... I I go to Minnesota, I got a friend that's got a hog farm up there, I'm working, he goes, hey man, look, I'm gonna put some money in your pocket, go out west, go back home to Cali, they're not gonna get you, yeah, all right, take her with you, and she was, a, this is a different woman, she was a drug addict, I was like, all right, cool, let's do some drugs, so we get out to Nevada, and we stop, we got a partner out there that connected man, he uh, let us work in the hotel, stayed for three nights, 
but she couldn't stop getting high. I couldn't either. So we got high, and after a week of arguing, we're at a casino. Right next door is a Roman Catholic church. I'm high. Everyone knows I'm high. I told her, calm down, man. I'm going to get caught. They're going to send me back to Missouri. I said, something's going to happen, man. You know, you get that gut feeling. Your gut's always right. I'm sitting in front of a Roman Catholic church, and this is the first time in my life I ever talked to God. I looked at the church, and I said, man, I don't know about the Christian thing. I said, God, if you're real, I need help. I'm tired. I can't keep doing this. Within five minutes, long story short, I was being asked by a cop, where you're from? Oh, I played it off. I don't have ID on this and that. You ever been to the state of Missouri? Oh, here we go. I'm going to prison. The girl ended up ratting on me. Thank God she did. Wow. And uh, they took me all the way back to the state of Missouri. And Allah, in his infinite mercy for us, instead of 34 to life, broke it down to four years. Wow. And 10%. <laughs> wow. And I go to diagnostics, which is a preparation for you to go to the, the yard, what they call prison. And I see a, a, a young African-American praying. And, you know, I had read the Encyclopedia Britannica set. And, you know, coming from Texas, you don't hear too much about Muslims. You hear about mm -hmm. Christians. You hear terrorists and all that. And I didn't never buy into that. I didn't care. And I see him praying. I said, hey, man, let me ask you a question after he was done performing this a lot. I said, the Quran, right? Like the Old Testament. That's what I heard, right? He goes, absolutely not. I said, you believe in Jesus? If you don't believe in Jesus, I might have something to relate to you with. What are you talking Oh, we believe in Jesus, of course. He's the Messiah. I said, well, what? what? Messiah. He's the Messiah? He's, he's God? No, he's not God. Why? Well, I'm touching on this with you. He uh -huh. goes, hey, man, look, I got something, man. He goes, I want you to read it. And a little pocket Quran. Uh-huh. And it had the Arabic, and the, the Arabic writing with the English, and the English and the little stories that go along with it, like Muslim and fish and all that. Oh, uh, nice. And I read it. And I stayed myself for two weeks, and I read it from uh, cover to cover. Yeah, we're gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I read it from uh, Jesus. The first book you got me. I read it from uh, Al Fatiha. Thank you, Al Fatiha Naz. And I'm like, let me read this again. <coughs> and I'm reading it, and I didn't even talk to anyone for two weeks. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go talk to him. And it was in Ramadan. The first night of Ramadan, it was the night before the feast night. And uh -huh. I said, Brother, I think I want to become Muslim. He goes, Wait a minute. Why? I said, When I opened this book and I read it, I felt things go away from me. And I've read the Bible cover to cover, and I said, This is a joke. But when I read the Quran, there was something there. You notice the the the, the words were not men to words. me. It wasn't. It was speaking to me. Subhanallah. And it, and I get I'm getting electrical chills now. Every time I mention anything like this, I get a surge through me. When I perform salat, I get a surge through me. I when I say Allah's name, I get a surge through me. And 
This is why I love Islam so much and why I'm so passionate about people who aren't as passionate as me is because you should be as passionate about this as me because you were born into this. Uh -huh. Aren't you? Don't you feel this? No, we don't. You're blessed. No, we're all the same. Well, I just pay attention to it more. Or maybe I'm more in tune with it. Maybe some people have become callous to it and, or unappreciative of it. Because when I went in there and I said a shahada, I had floods of tears coming out and I went white. And I carried that whiteness on me for two and a half years. And I said, why am I white? I'm always red faced. I'm Irish, German Irish. I have a Irish tan, what we call it. I'm flushed all the time. Right. I'm completely white and I'm shining. And, so, um, and and I said, what's going on? And a brother who was the imam, he'd been locked up most of his life, a good brother, um, had some imperfections, but, you know, he was spot on. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And you have Nor. And Nor. I said, what's Nor? He goes, that's your faith. Your faith shining, your imam shining through. I said, I don't have no faith. It, bro, it's coming off you. Uh, not now, because there's some things that are going on, but... I said, oh, wow, so I'm something now? I, I'm something and something now? I'm, I'm not that weird dude in the corner over there that hates <laughs> the world? And I read, and I started teaching myself, and I got in a fight with people that, that, that wanted to hurt me because I'm white, and I'm becoming a Muslim. Oh, and, and I didn't back down because they said... A Muslim never stands down. And if he struck to strike back, but try to seek peace first. Mm -hmm. So I did what it said. And I got out. And I'm going to tell you something. During that time, from my shahada to getting released on parole, I said, okay, now I know what God is. My life is complete. I've traveled. I've had money. I've had kids. I've had, I've had love. How many of you have had love? Where you actually see a woman and you see that is God's gift to me. I screwed it up like everything else. But I had it. Subhanallah. I, I had it and love never goes away. And Allah, I don't think he loves us. I think it's above love. I think it's mercy. And mercy is so deep because mercy is I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And for someone to forgive me that doesn't even have to acknowledge my existence because that's how I felt was I, I belonged to something. So everyone said, if you ever get a chance to go up to Michigan, go to Dearborn, Michigan. Well, okay. I just got out. They released me to a halfway house. I'm around drugs. I don't want no part of it. I don't, I'm not, I'm Muslim. I'm boasting I'm Muslim. Muslim. And I said, please become Muslim. Please, you're white. Why do you want to be Arabic? Man, look, I don't care about the Arabs. I'm Muslim. I don't care what you are. There's no racism in Islam. I read about Malcolm X. I didn't really like black people at that time when I went into prison. Malcolm X became my hero. He was a racist too. He was vehement racist. And it wasn't his fault. It was the time. But he went and performed Hajj and he came back and said, y'all are wrong. Y'all brainwashed me, man. And they killed him for it. 
Uh-huh. And I I killed that part of me because I said I, I I'm more related to this man. I am my own people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the changes that come, what Angela was meant to do, the seed, I sprouted and it became a a beautiful flower. And I felt my life was complete. So I said, I'm going to come to Dearborn. I'm going to see what it's about. They say it's a little Beirut up here. (laughs) So I came up here and I seen the cops and jobs and Arabs and... Arabic rain everywhere. I'm seeing like, you know, Damascus driving here. Everybody's on everybody. (laughs) I'm like, this is crazy. What what is all this white Arabic riding? I say, oh, these are my people. What? There's people not afraid to be Muslim here? Man, wait a minute. We're being persecuted everywhere. Man, we don't care here. But I saw the ugly side of Islam, too. I saw people looking like they're going through the motions. Like, where's your, where's your, your passion? Mm-hmm. Where's your, why don't you feel the same way I do? Well, everybody's on their own dean, and, you know, you should keep that to yourself. Man, I'm not going to confine to your rules. I'm telling everybody. Because I didn't have God in my life. Now I know that God was there the whole time? You're telling me to suppress that? No, I'm going to shout off the rooftop, man. That's what the the word revert is all about. Revert when when you revert to to Islam is basically you're reverting to the nature of humans. This is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has built humans upon. The nature, the beautiful nature of loving for your brother, what you love for yourself, mercy, compassion, helping each other. You know, this is the nature of humans. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has built us on it when we were little babies, and then when we started growing up and and older. Then things start changing, whether you are a son of a Christian or a Jew or whatever it is, you start kind of learning from them the faith issues and stuff like that. And then when you get old enough to think on your own and to make moves on your own, then when you that that's when you start looking for the truth. And by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, brothers like Tim, they found the truth and reverted right back to it. Because that's the nature of humans. That's the nature. And we all about reverting back to the nature of of humanity, what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has built us upon. And, and I, and I, I, perfect. I, I, I say this that it doesn't matter what a person thinks they know is the truth. Eventually, it's going to come out. And my problem in my early years was because I didn't see anybody acting upon what they were saying. I saw a bunch of talk and no action. When I came here, I saw a bunch of action and no talking. So I knew that I was called to the right one because real recognize real. You know? That's right. Fake recognize real. Real can't never be fake because fake ain't ever real. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That, that's your favorite. That's um, not my saying. That, that, that saying. It, it, Islam is real. It, 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 it is a submission to God. It's not, people say, we don't worship Allah, we worship Yahweh, or we worship God. Listen to me, that's just Arabic, that's not even Islamic. That's it. The word Allah is God. You go to Arab, Arab Christian, they say, say Allah, Allah, they say, Salaam Alaikum. You know, yeah, they, yeah. It's just he revealed it to the other party, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Hebrews, and Arabic, and Aramaic is all stepbrothers, stepsisters. So, yeah, it's the same and, and, and they're the force in the world dividing us. Man. Yeah, and changing things around, changing alternating mani- things. Manipulating. Manipulating. That's what the shaitan has been doing ever since he was 
uh, created on this earth is to always manipulate humans to stay away from worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what we're created here is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one, the almighty, the only one worthy of being worshipped. The only one worthy of being worshipped. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you benefit from this story. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us if we made any mistakes in this in this um, se session here. Uh, we thank Brother Tim for sharing this story. Again, it's been very hard, very hard to try to convince them to share this story. But I think it's, it's due, you know, because this will touch a lot of hearts. I know you're watching or you might be listening on the podcast or you might be... Um, uh, knowing the brother or, you know saying, knowing me or whatever and, and hearing this story somewhere and being touched because the stories like this, they humble people and they make people realize that Allah SWT is great. Allah SWT works in mysterious ways. And all we're here doing is sharing information with y'all. We're not the most knowledgeable people in the, uh, in the world. We're not claiming to be. Um... We're here just sharing these beautiful stories. If you have any questions, you have any comments, you have anything, any feedback, please um, communicate with us. Contact us through YouTube right here, through Facebook, by going to the Reverse Show, uh, through the podcasts. We have podcasts if you look for um, our podcast, The Revert, on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, we are live also on uh, 1440 AM WMKM Detroit in Detroit on, on the AM station. Uh, please look forward to, uh, to, to listening to us on the radio. We're only 30 minutes on from 12. You put me on blast like this or all this. Oh man. <laughs> 12, <laughs> 12 noon every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. If you're from Detroit, from Detroit, you can hear us inshallah ta'ala. And again, thank you so much for watching please don't forget to subscribe share this this beautiful video um comment and like and you know we ain't got to tell you anymore thank you very much for being here thank you brother tim for being here thank you for allowing we me really to appreciate this and alhamdulillah and as we say as the prophet has taught us when we finish a session like this we say subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Peace.